are in the middle of a series called uh, Stories Jesus Told, and the subtitle, if you will, for today's talk is uh, What Must Be Done? What Must Be Done? Uh, and so for the sake of time, I am going to just uh, paraphrase the opening par- uh, passage. It's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus walks up to John the Baptist, and he says, I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist is like, I can't baptize you. You need to be baptizing me. And, uh, and so they go back and forth, and Jesus says these words right here. He says, it should be done, for we must. Everybody say must. Look at the person next to you and say must. There we go. We must carry out all that God requires. I I love that, uh, those words. We must do this. We must carry out all that God has for us. You know, there are certain things that, um, that are uh, popular out there for bucket lists. Uh, a, a bucket list is something that you want to do before you kick the bucket, all right? Before you die. Um, and uh, they're not necessarily a must do. Uh, they are usually want to do's. Um, I saw this, uh, I'm not really a Homer Simpson fan, but I saw his bucket list. It says, uh, bucket of fried chicken, <laughs> bucket of shrimp, bucket of tartar sauce, bucket of chili, bucket of popcorn, bucket of col- cholesterol. Am I saying that word right? Yeah, you get the point. Medicine, medicine. Uh, here's, here's another one I thought was kind of funny. Uh, my bucket list, buy bucket. Buy wine, fill bucket with wine, drink bucket. Uh, on, on Monday, uh, that's funny. On Friday, we're serious about it. Um, but there's a bucket list. So I'm going to ask you guys three questions today. I'm not going to keep you very long. The first question is, what must we do? My first uh, draft of my notes said, What must you do before you die? What must you do? Um, Jesus, uh, he was a man, he was God and he was man. He enjoyed fishing. I'm sure he went fishing a lot. He went to parties. He went to a wedding in the Bible. I'm sure he went to birthday parties. There were things that he enjoyed doing. There were things that he needed to do. But there were only a couple things that he said, I must do. My question for you is, what must you do before you die? I think everybody needs to think about those things. Uh, Let me say this, that that which is most important must consume you. Whatever it is that you must do should consume you. If it doesn't consume you, you may end up at the end of your life having done everything except for what you must do. Uh, Here's a few examples of things you must do. Uh, If you're married, if you have children, if, uh, if you have a family, you must take care of them. You must feed your kids, everyone. 
you, you have to, it's just kind of part of the deal. You must take care of them. You, you, you must. Um, here's the second one. Number two is you must make sure that your kids and your wife and whoever else is in your family goes to heaven. You must do that. You can buy them Jordans, buy them a Mercedes Benz, but you better make sure they go to heaven. Um, how many of you, you don't have to uh, raise your hand on this, but you have somebody in your family, maybe it's your own kids, they're adults, uh, and you can't drag them to church. See, when, when they're a kid, you grab them by the ear and you say, get in church and like it. <laughs> right? Get my, we got, uh, uh, I remember my, my little sister, uh, she was like four or five years old and she was like, I don't want to go to church. Why do I have to go? And, and, uh, my dad's like, I'm the pastor. You have to now get in the car. Let's go. When they're kids, they don't get a vote, right? You just get in the car and like it. And all the way to church, you're yelling, shut up, shut up. And then you walk in and it's like, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, but when they become adults, you can't really control them anymore. And I don't know if there's anyone here, you, you have kids or sisters, brothers or friends that you love like family you can't make them come to church. And it doesn't matter if you promise to buy them donuts and coffee and kolaches every Sunday morning. They're still not going to come. Do you have any friends like that? doesn't matter. And if they're, if they're people that you love, it kind of hurts. I'm going to give you a scripture for you to stick in your back pocket for those kind of people. Are you guys ready? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. By the way, you guys sang so good today. Oh my goodness. You sang so good. You know when you're like, okay, if I sing any louder, people are going to hear me, but I think I got this one. I'm going to let it rip. I don't know if you've ever thought that. I've been in the car before by myself and I'm like, you know, I've never really concentrated on singing. Let me see how good I can do. Has anyone ever done that when you're by yourself? You're by yourself in the car. Let me, just, let me just see. If I were to let it rip, let's see how good I would do. Boy, I let it rip. And uh, it wasn't that great. It, it wasn't that great. But, but nevertheless, um, what am I talking about? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Scripture in my back pocket. All right. Thank you. I love you. All right. Free dinner, free lunch for you. Romans chapter 5. Verse 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. Here it comes, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The only reason why you love God, the only reason why. Is because the Holy Spirit, imagine I got a pitcher of tea and an empty glass, and I'm pouring the tea into the glass. The Holy Spirit poured a love of God into your heart. That is the only reason why you love God. He poured it into your heart. He loved you before you loved Him. You would not love Him if He didn't love you first. He loved you 
poured his love into your heart. And then from that moment forward, you loved him back. So when you pray for people, make up a name, Jimmy. God, you know, Jimmy does not want to come to church. You know, if I buy him donuts and kolaches, he's still not coming to church. You know he doesn't like church. I'm asking for you to do what it says in your word. It's not mine. It's yours. I'm asking for you to pour the love of God into his heart. I don't know where Jimmy is. He might be sitting in front of a computer. He might be at lunch. He might be taking a nap. But pour the love of God into his heart. That is the only way. That is the only way they're ever going to love the Lord. And so there are certain things that we must do. Provide for our family. Number two, make sure that they get to heaven. Number three, this one's huge. And this one is, I kind of wrote it out for myself because I was thinking, um, uh, I just turned 40. I I just turned 40 um, on March 17th. And uh, I did not like turning 40. Um, I I, I did not take it well. But I couldn't talk about it to any of my friends because all my friends are older than 40. (laughs) So they're like, suck it up, little baby. Suck it up, buttercup. It's just, you're just a little kid. You're just a little kid. All my friends are older than me. So I couldn't get any sympathy back. But at 40 years old, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, um, what's the rest of my life going to look like? I had my midlife crisis all of a sudden. Um, part of the reason why is when I was 16, 17, we used to go to the movie theater a lot. And we would invite each other to go. And if anybody ever said, no, I'm not going to go to the movies because it's too late. I need to go to bed. I would always say back to them, what are you, 40? (laughs) Now I'm 40. And guess what? An eight o'clock movie is too late. (laughs) I'm that guy. I grew up playing basketball in a gym. YMCA. I grew up in the YMCA and had a bandana on my head and played basketball all day long. And uh, we'd go to pick teams and I'd look at the 40-year-old. I'm like, I don't want the 40-year-old. That's me. I'm the old bald guy trying to play with the kids. And so I wanted to stay 39 forever. I turned 40 and I had to back up and like regroup. And this is where this, this third or C, I don't know how you're taking notes, but um, I had to sit down and say, what must I do with my life? What must I do? And, and I came up with that. I, gotta, I must take care of my family. I got to make sure my family goes to heaven. And then, and then it became very personal. I must, maybe you want to adopt this. I must, I must. Walk in the presence of God and share his love and power with everyone I meet. I must do that. I have to do that. I have to do this. I have to do this. And and just so you know, what does walking in the presence of God look like? Walking in the presence of God just means that you're aware that his presence is around you. When you are aware of his presence... You're walking in his presence. 
When you're not aware of his presence, you're not connected to it. And of course his presence is everywhere. We all know that. But when you're aware of it. So this leads me to my second point. The first point was, what must you do? The second point is this. What must you ignore? Uh, what must, what interruptions must be ignored? Because if, if a part of what you must do at this stage of your life is to build a better relationship with God, if that is in you, then interruptions are coming. Interruptions of intimacy is coming. Uh, it's so funny, my wife and I will go on a date uh, we'll get a babysitter and we'll go on a date. And this has happened a few times. We get a babysitter, we go on a date and we're sitting down at the table. And uh, usually it's at a restaurant where we wouldn't normally go because we have our kids with us. So we go to a restaurant that we wouldn't normally go to. So it's usually just a little bit nicer and we're sitting there. And this has happened a few times. Looking at the table and the whole point of the date is to connect again. Because we have three kids that are like Indians. All day long. He hit me. She hit me first. We used to have four, but one of them didn't make it. No, I'm just... But, but, but they just fight all the time. And so, um, and so we, we, when we go out, the whole point is to reconnect. To reconnect. But... A few times, more than a few times, we're sitting at the table and we get into a fight on our date. We're sitting at the table in a restaurant arguing and fighting. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there before. Have you ever been in an argument in a restaurant? You learn to yell, whispering. (laughs) Allie, I don't think you understand. I don't think you understand what I'm telling No, 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 no. You listen to me. No, 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 no. And, and you're looking around because you're, you're assuming everybody's looking at you. So you smile and yell. Allie, I'm, look, I'm not going to say this again. No, 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 no. I let you talk. Now you let me talk. Let me talk. I promise, as sure as I'm standing here right now, the last time we got into a fight at a restaurant, this waitress comes up and she goes, are y'all ready to order yet? I said, look, we're in the middle of a fight right now. Can you give us some time, please? You're interrupting our fight. And she went, I promise, I said, you're interrupting our fight. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. And so she turns and walked out. I was like, back to what I was saying, which is so crazy because we're on the date. To reconnect. While we're on the date, our reconnection is getting interrupted. What is so crazy to me, I'm in the same boat you are on this one. You can sit in church and just go, today's the day where I become more aware of his presence. I'm just going to be more aware. When I'm in the car, I'm going to be aware. I'm just going to be aware that his presence is there. And then just as sure as I'm standing here, the minute you make your mind up to do that, there's an interruption that takes place. Something interrupts intimacy. For me, it happens a lot in my car. I get in the car, I'm like, God, I'm just going to, like, I got 20 minutes before I get there. Because in Houston, you can't, get, you, can't, you can't even get to a gas station 
quicker than 20 minutes, right? Everything is, oh, it's about 20 minutes, right? How far is the Galleria? Ah, about 20 minutes. How far is Galveston? Ah, about 20 minutes. Everything's 20 minutes, right? So I'm just like, God, I got a like 20 minute drive here. Um, uh, I'm just going to talk to you the whole time. I promise you, the minute I say I'm going to talk to you the whole time, the slowest drivers in Texas, in Texas, they see me coming. They're on a radio. Frankie Mazapika's coming. Okay, all right, wait, 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 wait. He's driving the black truck. No, let it go, let it go, let it go. Okay, now. I'm sitting behind. It happens every time. Go up to a red light. And my kids are all, yeah, don't honk, dad, don't honk. And I'm like. The light turns green. What do you want? A written invitation? Put your foot on the gas. <laughs> this quick, this quick, I go into the car. Lord, I'm going to pray for the next 20 minutes. Interrupted. Boom. For me, you may be a lot more mature than I am <laughs> while you're in the car. In fact, most of you probably are. I'm just telling you, for me, I get in the car and something interrupts intimacy. I can walk into a meeting at work, talking to God the whole time. One person says something stupid. <laughs> Interruption. I'm praying in my head, God, I love you, I love you. One person says something stupid and all of a sudden, I, I, I get tunnel vision, tunnel vision, boom. I want us to be aware of interruptions and to be able to know what's happening, to be able to zoom out of the moment and say, I know what's happening. This is an interruption and I'm not going to get sucked in. Point number one, point number one was what must you do? Point number two, what interruptions must be ignored? Point number three, is what sacrifices must you make? I'll say this, great rewards come with great sacrifice. Great rewards. Uh, you know, a, a neighbor of mine just graduated from Texas A&M. 22, ready to conquer the world. And I'm looking at him and I'm saying, do you know how many people, how many 22-year-olds out there would love to have your diploma? Um, I look at people who have been married. How many of you have been married longer than 20 years? Raise your hand. It's awesome. Let's give them a round of applause. That's awesome. It's awesome. Somebody raised their hand and is like, baby, we've only been married for 10. Well, it feels like 20. So. <laughs> it's to, to be married that long, to get a, a college degree, to, to have kids love you back. I might have to preach on that one day. <laughs> to, 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 to have all that. It, all, all those things required sacrifice. It required sacrifice. The greater the reward, the greater the sacrifice. And I'll tell you, uh, at 40 years old, I'm, I'm backing up and I'm, I'm saying to myself... What must I do at 40? And I'm having to cut some things out that I love a lot. I'll give you an example. I've, uh, I've always, uh, for the last five years, I've probably ran, I don't know, 
17, 18 half marathons, full marathons, done some triathlons. But I have to wake up like either before the sun comes up or do it after the kids go to bed or, or find that two hour block to train. And my thought has always been I can always make wake up earlier. I can always wake up earlier. That's been my mentality. At 40 years old, for me to achieve the goals that I must do, I need that two-hour slot. I need that two-hour slot. So, it's so funny. I was, I did the MS-150 with my wife, and I was, it was after the race, and I was putting my race clothes away. They were all clean. I was folding them up. And as I was folding them up, I, I was, I was, it was kind of emotional. I was like, man, I'm not going to be wearing these clothes for a long time. It's been five years. I'm not going to be wearing it for a while. I don't know how long this season will last, but I need that two-hour slot. I need that two-hour slot. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to require sacrifice. But my question to you is, is, is what you must do it's going to require a sacrifice. I'm going to close with this last thought. It sounds like I'm closing with a sad story, but it's, it's a fun, it, it, it turns out good. So um, stay with me. When I was in Bible college, um, we had to go to uh, do hospital calls with a, a pastor so that, as, um, so that we would learn how to um, breathe in a hospital. Um, and I know that sounds funny, but when you're trying to help a family and pray with a family, you have to learn how to breathe while you're in that room. And so we would go in there with a senior pastor and we wouldn't say anything. We would just stand there. And I'll never, ever forget, there was this young boy who was about 10 years old. This was up in Rockford, Illinois. They found a cancer the size of a golf ball right between the two hemispheres of his brain. And uh, the mother and father were there, and the mother was obviously terribly upset. But the father, I'll never forget, he was a Harley Davidson rider, country strong guy. You know, those guys, they don't lift weights, they're just strong. He was just broken. He was just a mess. He was just a complete mess, snot coming out of his nose, getting into his salt and pepper beard. And he said something, um, he goes, I just want my boy to be better again. I want to put him on the back seat of my motorcycle. And I just want to take a tour across the country. I just want to ride with my boy. And I got in the car and the senior pastor that was mentoring me said, you know, Frankie, it happens all the time. It takes a catastrophe to make somebody realize what they should have been doing all along. It takes a catastrophe. Before I finish the story, let me just make my last and final point. What's most important demands an appointment. It demands an appointment. Miraculously, this was one of the first miracles I've ever seen that was bigger than a headache. Gone. That whole mass, gone. gone. I mean, the kid checked out that day. 
when we came back the next day, it was completely gone. We had been praying and praying, praying, gone. Um, absolutely. Um, this is why we believe in miracles here. I've just seen too many. I've just seen too many. Um, but it was so precious because shortly thereafter I saw a whole bunch of pictures because the dad did what he said he was going to do. He put the kid on the back of the motorcycle and they went cruising all, they did some big, huge tour. Um, I would just want to remind you, everyone here, you got so much life left. Even if you're 88 years old, you got so much life left. You might be 95. You got so much life left. What must you do? What must you ignore? And what must you sacrifice? And I hope with every fiber in my body that one of those things is to pursue God with all your energy and effort. Because what you learn in the presence of God, you cannot learn anywhere else. Would you stand your feet for me, please? I'd like our prayer partners to come down, if they would, all, and just stand right down here at the bottom of the altar. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in this room? Actually, don't bow your head and close your eyes. Keep your head up and just close your eyes. And if you feel comfortable with it, would you just raise both hands? If you feel uncomfortable with that, don't do it by any means. Um, it's just an outward sign of surrender. That's all it is. You can raise them low, raise them high, whatever you're comfortable with. And I don't want you to distract anybody that you're standing around, but would you just talk to the Lord a little bit? You can say the same thing over and over again. That's fine. Just say, I love you. I love you. And I'll pray with you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we know that you're in this room. We know that you're here. I pray right now that you would just pour the love of God into every single heart in this room right now. Just pour the love of God into every heart in this room. All sickness, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Every sickness in this room, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Illness, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord rebukes you. You are standing on holy ground right now. And I just pray health. I pray peace. I pray in the name of Jesus for any marriage here that is struggling to even be around each other. I just pray for healing into that marriage right now. I just pray for healing into that marriage. In the name of Jesus, I pray for children that are sick. They're not in this room, but they're sick. In the name of Jesus, I just pray right now that the angel that has been assigned to their children... Lord, that they not only protect them, God, but they begin to deliver healing to them right now in the name of Jesus Christ. If there's any children in our children's area right now being taken care of, I just speak healing into their body right now. Every child back there. 
the name of Jesus. I just speak a miraculous healing into children that are back there that need it in the name of Jesus. Emotionally, physically, children be healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I just speak healing into those children. In Jesus' name. If you have a need in your life, the prayer partners down here, they don't think that God will. They, they know He will. They don't believe that He can. They believe that He will. So if you have a need in your life, I'd like to encourage you to come out of your seat. Take the hand of a prayer partner down here. Let them pray for you. There's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But may the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May His face shine down upon you. May His countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.